Welcome back, everyone, to 1001 Radio Days. This is your host, John Hagedorn. Here we feature mostly cop and detective shows, plus adventure, plus surprise. You never know, but it's the best from the golden age of radio. We'll guarantee that. For those of you who want non-stop crime buster and detective shows, you can now add 1001 Radio Crime Solvers to your podcast library. That's 1001 Radio Crime Solvers. Brand new for 2023 and growing fast. Enjoy! The story you are about to hear is true. Only the names have been changed to protect the innocent. Fatima Cigarettes, best of all long cigarettes, brings you Dragnet. You're a detective sergeant. You're assigned a homicide detail. A well-known businessman in your city disappears suddenly from his home. He's seen driving away from the house in the company of two unidentified men. There's no explanation for it. Your job? Find him. How does Fatima compare with other king-size cigarettes? Fatimas are the same length and circumference. 85 millimeters long, one and one sixty-fourths inches around. And Fatima filters the smoke exactly the same long distance as any other king-size cigarette. Tell me then, how is Fatima different from other king-size cigarettes? In Fatima, the difference is quality. Fatima gives you extra mildness. A much different, much better flavor and aroma. Remember, Fatima has all the advantages of extra length plus Fatima quality which no other king-size cigarette has. So, insist on the best. Smoke king-size Fatima. Best of all long cigarettes. Dragnet, the documented drama of an actual crime. For the next 30 minutes, in cooperation with the Los Angeles Police Department, you will travel step by step on the side of the law through an actual case transcribed from official police files. From beginning to end, from crime to punishment, Dragnet is the story of your police force in action. It was Wednesday, October 10th. It was mild in Los Angeles. We were working the night watch out of homicide detail. My partner's Ben Romero. The boss is Captain Lorman. My name's Friday. I was on the way back from the record bureau, and it was 10.38 p.m. when I got to room 42. Homicide. Hey, Ben? Romero? Back here, Joe. Captain's office. Oh, yeah. Captain? Joe? Sit down. Thank you. I got your call. What's it all about? You're closer to it than I am, Skipper. You want to brief him? It's a man by the name of Tony Richmond. He disappeared from his house tonight, Joe. Looks like it might be foul play. Tony Richmond? Name sounds a little familiar, doesn't it? Runs a couple of garages around town. Promotes sports events oh, on the yeah. side once sure. in a while. Sure, What's the story on him? Well, here's the way we got it from Richmond's wife. He was at home tonight. The whole family was sitting in a back room looking at television. Richmond, his wife, two children, and his father-in-law. Yeah. About 9 o'clock, the doorbell rang. Richmond went to answer it. He hasn't been seen since. Yeah? That's right. Mrs. Richmond said she thought she heard a little loud talking at the front door and didn't pay any attention to it. When her husband didn't come back, she went to have a look... Front door was wide open. Her husband was gone. No explanation for it at all. One of the Richmond's neighbors was sitting by a front window at the time, a Mrs. Sanford. She said she saw Mr. Richmond come down the front steps about that time, one man on either side of him. Mm -hmm. She got the idea Richmond didn't want to go with him. Was there any description on the two men? It's incomplete. The neighbor said she wasn't sure, but it looked to her like the two men pushed Richmond in a dark-colored sedan and drove off. Not much description on the car either, Joe. Where's that leave us? We're not positive there's anything wrong yet. There's a possibility. It's nothing more than a misunderstanding. How do you figure? We got a couple of men out at the Richmond's house now. The wife told them that Mr. Richmond had a business appointment at 10 o'clock tonight. She didn't know where or with whom. Could have been with those two men. Mm-hmm. Doesn't sound quite right, though, does it? I mean, walking out without even telling his wife. No. Something else to consider. Wife said that when Richmond went to answer the front door, he was in his shirt sleeves. Mm-hmm. When the neighbors saw him come down the stairs with the two men, she said he had his coat on. If those two guys were going to grab him off, they wouldn't wait for him to get his coat. Yeah. How's it stand now? Got out a broadcast on a description of the two men in the car. Not an awful lot to go on. No license number. 
Anybody in particular who might have had it in for Richmond? Is there anything like that? No, not that we know of so far. He dressed pretty well, obviously had money, wore quite a bit of jewelry. Well, what have you got lined up for, Skipper? Well, I've got Barrett and Tommy Bryan standing by at the Richmond's house now, still checking around with Richmond's friends, some of his business associates. Nothing so far. Excuse me. Sure. Homicide, Lorman. Yeah, Tom. How's that? Uh-huh, when? Yeah, right away. You know what to do. Keep in touch. Right. Well, that takes it out of the guessing stage. Hmm? That was Brian out at the Richmond house. Mrs. Richmond just got a phone call a few minutes ago. Yeah. Man's voice. He told her they were holding her husband. Well, what's her pitch? If she wants him back alive, it'll cost $20,000. As in all cases involving abduction to extort ransom, the investigating police officer is faced immediately with a dozen problems. But first and foremost is the safe return of the victim. When that's accomplished and the danger of death or bodily harm to the victim is removed, the officers then have the freedom to openly hunt down the abductors. But until the time the victim is safely returned, apprehending the criminal suspects remains a secondary consideration. 10.45 p.m. Together with Captain Lorman, Ben and I left the office and drove out to the Richmond's home out in North Hollywood, the scene of the abduction. We parked our car several blocks away and entered the house from a back street. It was a large, sprawling ranch-style home, richly landscaped. We went inside and checked with the two men from homicide on duty, Barrett and Brian. They told us that there'd been no more phone calls, anonymous or otherwise. They also told us that so far, the victim's wife, Adele Richmond, had been hostile and uncooperative. The abductors had warned her on the telephone about calling in the police... Now she was all for paying the $20,000 ransom and handling the case without the police. While Ben, Tommy Bryan, and Barrett rechecked the neighborhood for other possible witnesses to the abduction, Captain Lorman and I went inside and met the victim's wife and the victim's father-in-law, Fred Wellman. The wife was an attractive brunette in her early 30s. Can't you understand? I just don't want the policemen here. They can be watching the house right now. They'll kill Tony if they know you're here. Now, honey, there's no use getting upset like this. It isn't going to do any good. Your father's right, ma'am. I know it's hard on you, but getting all worked up isn't going to help much. Well, I wish I'd never called you in the first place. I can handle this. I'll pay them the money. I'll pay them anything as long as they bring my husband back safe. Yes, ma'am, that's possible. But what makes you think you can trust those men? How do you know you'll get your husband back after you pay the 20000 That's what they told me. I talked to them on the phone. That's what they promised me. Well, they promised other people, too, ma'am. You give them 20000 they'll want forty. Give them just one opening, they're going to run it into the ground. They'll take everything they can get, and you still won't have your husband back. Well, there's no other way. I have to take the chance. I have to. There is another way, Miss Richmond. That's why we're here. What if it gets in the papers? Publicity. Those men are bound to hear about it. There won't be a line in the newspapers, I promise you that. As far as we're concerned, the only men who'll know about it will be the officers working the case. We'll do everything we can, ma'am, but we're going to have to have your cooperation. I don't know. If anything happens to Tom, I've got to sit down. I can't even think. I'm so worried. That's it, honey. Here, you sit here. I'll get you some coffee. Good hot cup of coffee. Would you see how the children are, Dad? See if they're covered. Yeah, sure, honey. You just rest. You care for some coffee, officers? No, sir. No, no, thank you. All right. Now, about that phone call that you got, Ms. Richmond. They told me $20,000. If they get it, they'll let Tony go. What else did they tell you? That's all. They had Tony, and that if I wanted to see him again alive, we'd have to pay $20,000. Well, what about the arrangements for delivering the money? Did you discuss that at all? No, all he said was get $20,000 in small bills. He said that, too. He said he'd contact me later about delivering the money. Officer, I can't get that much money together tonight. I don't think you'll have to, ma'am. I'm pretty sure the abductors know that, too. Now, how about the voice on the phone, Miss Richmond? Is there any chance that you might have recognized it? No, I haven't any idea who it was. Well, did he give you any hint at all as to about how much time that you'd be allowed to get the money together? Well, he said he'd call later on. I got the idea he meant later on tonight. He told me he'd have more instructions for me then. I'd like to ask you once more, Mrs. Richmond. Can you think of anyone who might try something like this on your husband? Maybe somebody who needed money, who carried a grudge against Mr. Richmond. No one at all. Tony always got along very well in business. He works hard. He works awfully hard. I'm sorry, officer. I can't help thinking I'd... The whole thing would be better all around if i just pay the money and make them let my husband go. No, no, that's just the point, ma'am. Like we said, how do you know they're going to let him go? If they can make $20,000 overnight, it's a good bet they're not going to let him go that easy. You can't make those kind of deals with them. Now, believe us. 
What can I do, if anything? I brought your coffee, Dell. Good hot coffee. I looked in on the children. They were covered. Now you try some of this coffee now. Thank you, Dad. Well, what are we going to do, officers? We can't just sit here and wait. There's a few things I'd like to brief you on to start with. Yes? There'll be a couple of our men stationed here at all times. Another thing, do you have more than one telephone in the house? Yes, sir, we do. There's one here in the den, one in the kitchen, and we have a plug-in extension for the living room. Fine. The next time the phone rings, you answer it, Mrs. Richmond. One of us will be listening in on the extension. The one in the kitchen, that'd be closest. All right. Now, if it's one of your husband's abductors calling, you tell him it's going to take you time to raise the money. Tell him at least two days. Well, suppose they insist, but they say they want it sooner. They could kill my husband tonight. Well, they could, ma'am, but I don't think they will. It's a pretty good bet that they planned on some waiting. Most people don't keep $20,000 around the house, and they know as well as you do that the banks don't open until 10 o'clock tomorrow morning. Something else, Mrs. Richmond. Make it clear to them that you won't have any direct hand in the transaction paying the ransom. Tell them you're too sick, you're too upset, and that your brother will take care of everything. Oh, you mean one of your officers? Yes, ma'am. Sergeant Friday here can take care of that end. Will they believe me? Don't you think they'll get suspicious? Well, maybe, but you have to remember, ma'am, suspicious or not, their only interest is in getting the money and then getting away. Our first problem is to get your husband home safe. When we've got that done, we can worry about the abductors. I see. All right, officer, I'll do all I can to help. Fine, Mrs. Richmond. I think you'll find it's the best way. Joe, you and Romero will be on duty here for the night, right? You'll monitor all the incoming calls. We'll try and get a tracer on them if you can keep the guy talking on the line long enough. Mm-hmm. I'll make arrangements for another phone line in here and the use of the neighbor's phone next door. Okay, fine. Do you know if the people next door are home now, sir? Yes, sir, I think they are. Their name's Thompson. Almost positive they're home. Yeah, fine. All right, Mrs. Richmond, you want to take that? Don't pick it yes, up till sir. I tell you. Joe, over here at this extension. Right. Both of you pick up your receivers at the same time. You ready, Joe? Right. Mrs. Richmond? Now. Hello? Is this Mrs. Richmond? Yes, this is she. This call's about your husband, Mrs. Richmond. Here's your instructions about the money. If you want your husband back alive, follow him. I want to tell you something. I can't handle this alone. Well, don't I try stalling, body... lady. Just listen. Here are the instructions. I'm only going to say them once. Get 20,000 small bills by tomorrow. Fives, tens, and twenties. Bring the cops in on this or we'll kill your husband tonight. Now remember it. We'll get the rest of the instructions tomorrow. Please listen. Can my brother help? Hello? Fast one. Wouldn't even give her a chance to talk. What'd you say, Sergeant? What was it? Well, let's go oh, back in there, huh? Yeah. Did you hear him, officer? He wouldn't let me talk. It's just like the last time. I couldn't even tell him. Yes, ma'am. We heard. Now, why don't you sit down right here? Said not to call the police. Said they'd kill him tonight. They'd kill Tony. Grab her, Jack. I got her. <laughs> Poor Dell. All right, you want to clear this off off? Yes, sir. Poor Dell is too much for her. All right. <clears throat> there we go. Yeah. I think you ought to call your family doctor, sir. Sedative might help her quite a bit, get her a little rest anyway. I already did, sir, and I could see this coming. I'll get a blanket. Well, what do you think? I only want 20,000 by tomorrow. Fives, tens, twenties. Said more instructions coming. Threatened to kill Richmond if we moved in. Hmm. How'd he sound? Like he meant it. Twelve thirty-five a.m. Captain Lorman and I remained by the phone. The family doctor arrived gave Mrs. Richmond a sedative, and she lay down for a rest in her room. Barrett, Tom Bryan, and Ben came back to the house just before 1 a.m. They had a few more details on the description of the car used by the abductors, which they'd gotten from residents in the neighborhood. The information was relayed to communications, and a supplementary broadcast and an APB were gotten out. Ben and I stood watch at the house for the rest of the night, but there were no more calls. In the early morning, stakeouts were set up at the victim's place of business and also at the banks where he maintained his accounts and safety deposit boxes. That night, Ben and I still were at the Richmond place standing by at the phone. There'd been no contact from the abductors during the day. We waited. Midnight. 3 a.m. 6 a.m. No word. Another day passed. And then another. Still no contact. No trace of Mr. Richmond or his abductors. Saturday, October 13th, hope for the victim began to fade. Ben and I stayed on at the Richmond house. Say, could I get you officers something to eat, maybe? A nice piece of cold beef in the icebox. Could make you a sandwich. No, no, thank you. Just the same, sir. How's Mrs. Richmond tonight, sir? Is she feeling any better? My daughter, no. No better. She took a couple of pills the doctor gave her, trying to get a few winks of sleep, poor girl. Well, there's no use you sitting up with us, sir, if you'd like to get a little sleep yourself. No, I'd just as soon sit up. Couldn't sleep anyway. 
Hey, I don't suppose either you'd care for a little nip. No, no, no thanks. No thanks. Guess you wouldn't mind if I had one myself. Seems lately that's the only thing that relaxes me. Go right ahead. When you get to be my age, a little bit helps now and then. Oh, there's some new magazines on the table there. Might help to pass the time for you. Thank you, sir. Three days now, not even a word about Tony. What do you really think, officers? Well, it's pretty hard to tell, Mr. Wellman. We're doing everything possible to find your son-in-law. There's not much to go on so far. Funny thing about Tony. Young fella, ambitious. Look what happens. Yes, sir. Wouldn't mind if I turn on the radio here, would you? I'll keep it low. No, sir. Go right, right ahead, sir. Yeah, it's a funny thing about Tony. Day he married my daughter, I knew he was going to make it. Bright fellow, Tony. Sure been good to me. That's so? Sure thing. Took me in right after the wife died. I was out of work at the time. Been with him ever since. Attend the garden, kind of clean up things. Tony's always been real good to me. No in-law trouble, nothing like that. Mm-hmm. And look what happens. Young fella starts with almost nothing. Builds a good business, family, nice home. Just look what happens. Well, there's no need to give up yet, sir. There's a good chance he's still all right. I don't know. I guess I just got a feeling about it. How do you mean? About Tony. He's a fine young man. Things like this, they always happen to the fine young man. You take me, for instance. I wouldn't make money the way Tony does. Build a big business the way he has. I guess that's why I'd never be in the trouble he's in. I don't think I follow you. Guess I never wanted it, Sergeant. Couldn't get interested in making money. You break your back like Tony does. You work and you work. You get a big bank account. Yeah. Get the home, the big car, and the swimming pool. You work for it like Tony did. You work hard. You get your big checkbook and everything you want. Just look what happens. Poor Tony works night and day for the money. Right now, he's no better off than the guy who's only worth a dime. They don't hold beggars for ransom, do they? Excuse me, sir. I wonder if you have an extra book of matches around. I believe I'm out. Well, sure thing, Sergeant. I got some in the kitchen. Uh, sure you wouldn't care for a little nip? No, sir. No, thanks. I think I might. A little bit helps now and then. Ben? Yeah. wonder what he means by every now and then. Mm-hmm. You want to grab the extension out in the kitchen? Right. What will I say, huh? Uh-huh. Now. Hello? Is this Sunset 18046? Yeah, that's right. No, not right now. This is her brother talking. Is there any message? I want to talk to Mrs. Richmond. Well, she's not here. Have you got a message for her? Would you say this is? Well, this is her brother talking. If you'd like to leave a message for Mrs. Richmond, I'll see. This this isn't her brother talking. I know his voice. Who is this? Well, maybe you can tell me who you are. This is Tony Richmond. Where's my wife? Richmond, where are you? Who is this? Where are you? Uh, I got away from him. Way out in the valley. A dairy range near Sepulveda. Are you a cop? Where can we find you? How soon can we meet you? Half hour. You get out of your car and stand right in front of the headlights. I'll be watching you. I want to get a good look at you. All right, half an hour. Something else. I got hold of a gun. Yeah. And if you're not cops, I'll know what to do. You are listening to Dragnet. Authentic cases from official police files. Now... Let's look at our Fatima files. Listed under H. Hardwick. Cedric Hardwick, distinguished actor. He says, I find Fatima a very pleasing cigarette. It has a distinctly better flavor. Listed under M. Morley. Maggie Morley, television actress. She says, I like a long cigarette. And I like it extra mild. That's why it's Fatima for me. Friends, our files show Fatima's sales are going up. Up every day. The reason for Fatima's ever-increasing popularity can be summed up in two words. Fatima quality. Fatima gives you extra mildness. A much different, much better flavor and aroma. If you smoke a king-size cigarette, remember this. Fatima has all the advantages of extra length plus Fatima quality, which no other king-size cigarette has. In Fatima... The difference is quality. So insist on the best. Insist on king-size Fatima. Next time, buy Fatima in the distinctive golden yellow package. One thirty a.m. 
After we got the call from the man who identified himself as the victim of the abduction, Tony Richmond, we put in a call for Captain Lorman. We told him about the phone call from the victim, his request for us to pick him up, and also about the conditions he stipulated that we follow. The captain ordered three cruiser cars and a car to pick up Ben and me and take us to the location specified in the phone conversation. 2 a.m. With the red light turned on, we pulled up at the approximate location indicated. It was a lonely spot on a lonely road a little more than a mile off the nearest highway. We waited. We didn't know what to expect. It could be that the phone call, supposedly from Tony Richmond, had actually been made by one of the abductors. It could be that it was nothing more than a diversionary action intended to distract our attention while the abductors carried out their plans to obtain the ransom money from the victim's wife and make good their escape. We kept waiting. Ben sounded the horn at frequent intervals. Captain Lorman and myself stood up in front of the car in the glare of the headlights. Ten minutes went by. Fifteen minutes. Finally, a half a dozen yards down the road, we spotted a man climbing up the side of the drainage ditch and onto the road. He walked slowly toward us into the glare of the headlights. In his right hand, he held a gun. You can put the gun down, mister. Go to the police, show me. Here's our car. Here's our identification. Here you are. It's badge, ID card. Oh, thank God. Thank God, thank God. The first thing we did was to notify the victim's wife and family that he'd been found and that he was unharmed. Then we called the office and told them what had happened. We offered to drive Richmond to his home immediately, but he told us that he was all right and insisted that he show us where the abductors had held him captive. We got in the car and started driving north along a dirt road that led off Sepulveda. On the way, Richmond briefed us on what had happened. He said that he'd been taken at gunpoint at the front door of his home four nights before, forced into a car by two men that he'd failed to recognize, and then driven to an abandoned shack in a deserted area in the San Fernando Valley. The two men had tied him hand and foot, partially stripped him, gagged him, and placed him under a floor of the shack and left him there. One of the men returned each day to give him something to eat. That night, Richmond told us that his captor failed to retie his hands securely. When the man left, Richmond succeeded in freeing himself from the ropes, made his way to a phone, and called his house. Outside of shock and exposure, he seemed to be all right. After pointing out the shack he'd been held captive in, and after we'd checked through it, Richmond was taken home in one of the cruiser cars. Ben and I remained on stakeout at the shack. Pretty dark. Can you see the shack all right from here? Just about, yeah. Keep an eye peeled on the road, huh? Yeah. Want to smoke? Yeah, thanks. We waited. Nothing happened. 3 a.m. 3.30. No sign of the suspects. 4.30. 5 a.m. 5.12 a.m. Ben spotted the headlights of a car at least a mile down the road. We watched them come toward us. When it got close enough, we saw it was a dark-colored late-model sedan. It fitted the description of the abductor's car perfectly. It swung off the dirt road and pulled to a stop near the shack. One man got out. Let's go. All right, Mr. Police Officers, hold it right there. Down, Joe. See him, Ben? Yeah, I ducked behind his car. All right, throw out your gun. I'll give it back. You got some good cover, Joe. All right, let's go. Come on, move in. Okay. Easy. All right, all right. Here's my gun. Out from behind the car, hands behind your head. Cover me, Joe. I'll shake him down. Right. All right, hold it right there. Okay, Joe. He's clean. All right, hands behind you. Sure like to play it safe, don't you? Handcuffs? They work pretty good, mister. Much better than rope. We called the office. A relief team came out to replace us on stakeout, and we took the suspect downtown to the interrogation room. He was checked through R&I and identified as Gerald Adams, a one-time loser. Together with Barrett and Brian, we questioned the suspect. 
For three hours, he refused to admit that he had any part in the abduction of Tony Richmond. We gave up for the time being, took him to the main jail where he was booked on suspicion of kidnapping. A little after 11 a.m., Gerald Adams' partner showed up out at the shack in the valley. He was taken into custody. He was brought downtown, confronted with the evidence against him, and he gave us a full statement admitting his guilt. Late that afternoon, we went back to the main jail, signed out Adams for investigation, and brought him back to the interrogation room. Have a seat, Adams. Yeah. Okay, what is it this time? Same as before, Adams. What do you say? You going to tell us about it? I told you my story this morning, mister. You got it all. Thought maybe you'd like to know. We picked up your partner. He gave us a signed statement. Hmm? Here's a copy of it. Have a look. It's down in black and white. Your partner says you were in it with him all the way. What'd you say, Adam? Doesn't mean anything to me. You probably forced it out of him. Well, that's not what he says. He blames the whole thing on you. Says you set up the deal, you gave the orders, you made the phone calls for the ransom money. Says that's the way he's going to tell it in court. He's going to need a lot of proof. He gave it to us. He showed us your apartment, a couple of ransom notes you'd written, showed us the typewriter you wrote them on, showed us the clothes you wore the night you grabbed Mr. Richmond. He's a liar. Not according to our crime lab, he's not. They checked over the clothes, found particles of dirt and pollen in the trouser cuffs. They match up with samples we took from that field out by the shack. Well, it ain't true. None of it's true. You guy's a liar. Well, there's his statement, Adam. It's all there. If you got any corrections in the story, now's the time to make them. Adams? There's only one thing I want to know. Yeah? How did it happen? How'd you get a line on us? Richmond got away from the shack. We staked out on it until you came along. Doesn't figure. He couldn't have gotten away. I had it all worked out. Your partner didn't. I showed him just what to do, how to handle a thing. I showed him where to hide Richmond. Couldn't have goofed up. I showed him the whole routine. Well, there's one thing you didn't show him. Yeah? How to tie a knot. The story you have just heard was true. Only the names were changed to protect the innocent. On December 18th, trial was held in Superior Court, Department 87, City and County of Los Angeles, State of California. In a moment, the results of that trial. And now, here is our star, Jack Webb. Thank you. I'd like to speak for a few seconds to our good friends, the cigarette dealers all over the country. Our latest reports show national Fatima sales are still going up. Every day of the week, more and more smokers are enjoying king-size Fatima. Now, as a result... Every so often, we receive letters from listeners telling us that their dealer is out of Fatimas. So I'd like to suggest this. You can do yourself and your customers a big favor by making sure you always have enough Fatimas to meet the ever-increasing demand. Put them out on the counter and watch how your customers go for Fatima quality. Fatima. Best of all, long cigarettes. Thank you. Gerald Adams and his accomplice in the abduction of Tony Richmond were tried and convicted in Superior Court of kidnapping. The state penal code stipulates that kidnapping for the purpose of extorting money is punishable either by death or by imprisonment in the state penitentiary from 25 years to life. Both Adams and his partner are now serving life terms in the state penitentiary, Folsom, California. Ladies and gentlemen... One of the first contributions to the special $5 million Red Cross flood relief appeal was $2.07 in pennies and nickels from two nine-year-old playmates in Kansas City, Missouri. Stepping up to the reception desk in the Kansas City Red Cross chapter, the pair proudly offered their earnings gained from touring neighborhood streets, reciting, and singing nursery rhymes. The money the Red Cross provides for rebuilding a house or refurnishing it or for helping a family find the means to help itself, will be given outright, not lent. These were the words of President Truman in asking the American public to contribute at least $5 million to the Red Cross to aid the disaster-stricken people of Kansas, Missouri, Oklahoma, and Illinois. Won't you help through your local Red Cross chapter? just heard Dragnet, a series of authentic cases from official files. Technical advice comes from the office of Chief of Police W.H. Parker, Los Angeles Police Department. 
Fatima Cigarettes, best of all long cigarettes, has brought you Dragnet, transcribed from Los Angeles. Stay tuned for Counterspy next over NBC. Hi, everyone. The holiday season is upon us, and I'll be glued to the telly for BritBox on many a night. I've already shared with you the fact that I keep up with Father Brown and Poirot at BritBox. I also check out their new stuff, like the new series Archie, which tells the story of Archie Leach, otherwise known to millions of filmgoers as Cary Grant. This story comes from his daughter Jennifer Grant and ex-wife Diane Cannon. It's a series. The performance of Jason Isaacs, who plays Cary Grant, is top-notch. I highly recommend it. You can only find it on my favorite TV, BritBox. Sign up to BritBox today to stream Archie and other fan favorites today from any device. I have a special limited-time offer for my U.S. and Canadian listeners. Get 50% off your first month when you sign up for a monthly plan, but only if you go to BritBox.com and use my promo code 1001STORIES at checkout. Don't wait. Get 50% off your first month. Just use promo code 1001STORIES at BritBox.com. Try it. You'll like it. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Ladies and gentlemen, the documented story you will hear during the next 30 minutes is not a subject commonly discussed. It is a criminal problem that is not yet nationwide, but it's a problem which is growing rapidly. We present it now so that you may recognize it for what it is if and when it invades your city. The story you are about to hear is true. Only the names have been changed to protect the innocent. Fatima, best of all king-size cigarettes, brings you Dragnet. You're a detective sergeant. You're assigned to bunco detail. You begin to receive reports of a vicious new racket growing in your city, the television repair racket. The repairmen lie, overcharge, bill you for work not done, parts not needed for parts they don't install. Your job? Stop them. How does Fatima compare with other king-size cigarettes? Fatimas are the same length and circumference. 85 millimeters long, one and one sixty-fourths inches around. And Fatima filters the smoke exactly the same long distance as any other king-size cigarette. Tell me then, how is Fatima different from other king-size cigarettes? In Fatima, the difference is quality. Fatima gives you extra mildness. A much different, much better flavor and aroma. Remember, Fatima has all the advantages of extra length plus Fatima quality, which no other king-size cigarette has. So insist on the best. Smoke king-size Fatima. Best of all king-size cigarettes. Dragnet, the documented drama of an actual crime. For the next 30 minutes, in cooperation with the Los Angeles Police Department, you will travel step by step on the side of the law through an actual case transcribed from official police files. From beginning to end, from crime to punishment, Dragnet is the story of your police force in action. It was Monday, January 19th. It was overcast in Los Angeles. We were working the day watch out of Bunko Detail. My partner's Ben Romero. The boss is Captain McCauley. My name's Friday. It was 9.15 a.m. when we got to the third floor of the Los Angeles Daily News, the assistant city editor's office. Hi, Friday. Come on in. Sit down. Morning, Jack. I'd like you to meet my partner, Ben Romero. Ben, this is Jack Kinnett, staff writer for the Daily News. Hi, Kinnett. Glad I know you, Ben. Sit down, fellas. Thanks. Thanks. 
We just left the skipper over at the city hall. Did the captain brief you on this thing? Yeah, he gave us a partial fill-in. We've been working on it from our end about two weeks now. Oh, Paul Price, he's our radio TV editor. Paul and I had a long session with Captain McCauley yesterday, and I guess now we're all ready to move on this thing, huh? Well, we'll do everything we can. Would you like to fill Ben in on what you told me yesterday on the phone? Yeah, well, Price was the one who began getting the first complaints here at the paper. Tremendous number of his readers wrote in complaints about being victimized by crooked television repairmen. About being charged too much for repair? Partly, yeah. Some of the people even sent in receipts with their letters. Said they felt the guys who fixed their sets were dreaming up unnecessary repairs, charging them for work not done. Some of them said they knew they were billed for parts not even replaced or installed in their sets. Ben Jack told me yesterday about a letter he got from some man who said he felt he'd been overcharged and he just started to bellyache about it. Yeah, a fellow by the name of Vincent. Said he just put up an old-fashioned squawk about it and the repairman brought the price down at least one-third. That doesn't sound very good, does it? We kind of figured operators like that must have too many repair sets on hand that their customers can't afford to bail out. That's why they cut. Sounds like a clear case of a two-bit jip, doesn't it? Well, something's got to be done about it. We're ready to give it big play in our paper, expose the fraud for what it really is. Captain McCauley says Chief Parker's okayed our plan and we can count on full police cooperation. That's the way we got it, Jack. We were told to work with you people till we broke this thing. Fine. We dug up a little ammunition to start with, I think. Went around and interviewed about 15 different television repairmen in various neighborhoods, and about three out of five gave me the same pitch. Well, did they know you were with the newspaper? No, I told them I was a factory representative for a new kind of rosin core solder company, and I was taking orders. Yeah. Actually, I dropped in the different stores, shot the breeze with them, and they didn't seem to get wise. A couple of them even placed orders for the solder. Well, what'd you find out? Well, I just wanted to try and get the general attitude of some of these jip artists, and I really got an earful. One of the last places I hit was a tiny little hole in the wall out near Canoga Park. Mm-hmm. As I say, about two out of five are honest, hard-working repairmen, and this fellow was one of them. Well, what are you getting at, Jack? For a while, this fellow worked for a guy that employed about five men in his shop. Yeah. Finally quit him because he didn't like the way this big operator did business. The fellow's in the next office. I want you to hear it from him just as I got it. Excuse me. Yeah, yeah okay. Hank, will you come in, please? Sure, Mr. Knight. This is Hank Coulter, Sergeant Friday, Sergeant Ben Romero, Police Department. Well, How are you? Hank, I wonder if you'd tell these officers a little of what you told me about Kilgore TV specialists. All right. Now, suppose I'm a customer and I come into Kilgore's. I don't like the size of my repair bill. What were you instructed to say? Well, we generally tried to talk him out of any complaint. Suppose I complained about all the multiple charges. I wanted an explanation of the work you did. What then? He just tell you that it wouldn't do any good to explain. You wouldn't understand all the technical stuff anyway. Mm-hmm. Tell us Kilgore's attitude with the customer. You mean about the loose wire stuff? Yeah, please. Well, Kilgore used to tell us that if we only charged 50 cents for fixing a loose wire, the customer wouldn't believe we really fixed his set, so we used to charge quite a lot more. Well, how much more, for example? For a nickel's worth of wire, we'd usually charge $4.75. It's a pretty fair profit. Yeah, it's a real rob. What else can you tell us, eh? Well, we'd never let a customer watch any of the TV repair job. Mm-hmm. For example, if a customer calls and says he thinks the tube's blown out and it'll only be a simple replacement job in his home... And we'd tell him the parts are getting hard to get, and we'd have to take you set into the shop and charge him a higher rate because we had to pay black market prices for the tube. Was there any truth in that? I mean, about the tubes being hard to get? Not much. Some of them are getting a little hard to get, but we never paid any black market prices at Kilgore's. We just slugged the customer, that's all. Tell them about how you used to swap parts on a new set, Hank. Well, we'd lots of times pirate a new tube for one not so good. One not so good we'd put in a set with a bad tube. Yeah. Then the bad tube we'd exchange at the factory under a one-year guarantee. Yeah. They don't miss an angle, do they? Well, that's it. You've heard it from a man who couldn't stomach such practice and quit, went into business, a little bit of a shop, isn't doing too well, are you, Hank? No, but I think I can build up the business. I don't make quite as much profit as Kilgore's, but I don't chisel my customers either. Thanks a lot, Hank. I wonder if you'd wait in the next office for me? Sure. Hope I've helped a little bit to crack down on some of these guys. Well, we think you have, Hank. Thanks a lot. Nice to meet you. Right. See you later. See you later. Seems like a nice fellow. Hey, he is. I've checked on him, and I've talked with some of his customers since I met him. He's honest. Well, it's a pretty vicious racket, isn't it? Yeah. It ought to be stopped now. Television's a wonderful medium of entertainment. A lot of the country doesn't have it yet, but when the cable goes through and it finally opens up, the people should know about the swindlers and crooks who try to jip them. Yeah, that's right. It's the same way when radio first came in. Always seems like when anything new comes along, anything a little complicated, maybe a little too involved for the average guy, a few smart punks victimize him. Rob the consumer blind. Well, naturally, we got to have some positive evidence before we can file a complaint with the city attorney on this thing. Yeah, you fellas, uh, any ideas where to start? Well, the best way to crack down on these crooked operators is to catch them red-handed with evidence that'll hold up in court. Yeah. We think maybe we've got an idea. Well, we were talking to Dick Saunders over in our sound lab, and 
He says that he can bungle a new TV set and we can mark it and photograph it before it goes out to be repaired. And when it's returned or after it's fixed, we'll have what we need to go to court on, huh? Yeah, that's it. We can operate right out of one of our own homes. And all we have to do is hope the repairman overcharges us or tries to jip us. Yeah, that's right. Let's hope it works. Well, from what we've heard, it's got to. 10 a.m., the staff writer, Jack Kinnett, Ben and I drove back downtown. On the way, it was decided that we'd use Kinnett's home as the place from which to operate. It was centrally located and in an average neighborhood. When we got back to our office, we contacted one of the local television dealers and asked for the loan of one of their sets. They recommended Kay Halbert because the chassis is easily accessible and any trouble could be located quickly because parts are visible. A 16-inch K. Halbert console model was sent to our sound lab. 10.18 a.m., we met with Dick Saunders, our police lab technician. Here's the set. 16-inch console model, serial number C2817901. What have you done to it, Dick? Well, first off, I tested the set and it performed perfectly. It's a good set. Brings in a fine picture, see? 20. Test pattern's fine, huh? Yeah, it's good. Tested all the tubes, all okay. How are you marking the set? Yeah, I'll show you. Get a tube out of here. Now, if you look closely here at the base of the socket, see it? What's that? This is it, isn't it, Dick? A little tiny dot of green paint? Yeah, that's right, Ben. Mm -hmm. I'm marking every part of the set with this tiny green dot. Looks good. If I didn't spot it, I doubt anyone else would, especially if they didn't know about it. Yeah, that's what we're hoping. In addition to this type marking, we've taken all serial numbers off the tubes and various parts. Anything that carried any form of coating, we took down. Mm -hmm. All major components have been marked. Transformers, coils, condensers, tuning units, so on. Uh, did you get any pictures of it? Yeah, we did. Took photographs of the set in and out of the cabinet. Took them from four different angles just to be sure we were well covered. Well, how did you bungle it? Well, here's what I did. To put the set out of commission, I burned out the filament of the 5U4G low-voltage rectifier tube. What's the cost of that particular tube, Saunders? Well, this tube ordinarily retails for $1.65. Mm -hmm. Well, what does that do to the set? I mean, burning out the tube. By burning out that filament, we cause the sound and picture circuits to be completely inoperative. It won't work at all until that particular tube is replaced by a good one, isn't mm -hmm. that it? That's right, Joe. Well, how big a job would it be to trace the trouble? Well, it could easily be detected by casual observation or by noting that the tube normally very hot is cold. How much time would you say it would require to make a repair like this? Oh, I'd estimate not over a half hour would be required to place this set in operating order. Half hour, huh? Mm -hmm. Okay, thanks a lot, Dick. Are you going to take care of getting the set out to Kinnett's home right away? Yeah, we have his address right here. We'll get it right out. All right, fine. If you can, try to get whoever repairs this set to give you an itemized bill of all work done and parts installed. All right. In case you call more than one outfit today, here's an extra bad 5U4G tube. Thank you, Dick. Anything you'd like to know? No, I think that about covers it for me, Jack. One more thing. I was just wondering, if somebody spots the trouble right away and replaces the tube, what do you think they ought to charge, Dick, labor and all? I checked through RTA on that this morning. They said to make a house call and replace the defective tube should not exceed $4.50. Okay, thanks. That does it for now, huh? Yeah, I guess so. Well, you're all set, then. Think we'll get what you're after? Well, we should. The odds are all on our side. 10.30 a.m., Monday, January 19th. We left the sound lab on West 1st Street and walked back to Bunko Division. We met with Captain McCauley and filled him in. We gave him the newspaper man, Jack Kinnett's address, and told him he could reach us there. The console model television set was delivered to Kinnett's home and properly installed. When we arrived at his home, we started going through the yellow classified section of the phone directory. We made a list of several TV service stores just picked at random. We chose a wide variety. We picked stores that were listed with large boxed-in ads, stores that carried no ads, just a listing. Ben called two places and staggered the call so that the repairman would arrive about one hour apart. It was 11.30 a.m. when the first man made his service call. Bart's TV experts on Hollywood Boulevard. It took him 45 minutes. It was 12.15 when he left Jack Kinnett's home. Must have been one of the two out of five, huh? Yeah, he seems okay. I wonder if I could see that bill, huh? Please. Oh, here you go, Joe. Thanks. Yeah, it looks okay. Replace 5U4G tube, $1.65. Service charge, $2.50. Total charges, $4.15. That kind of bears out Kinnett's thinking, doesn't it? Remember when we asked him how many men worked in his shop and he said he's alone? Yeah. 
think you'll find that's a pretty good barometer. All the servicemen working alone aren't like this guy, but the bigger percentage of the honest ones are. When's the next one due to arrive, Ben? Any minute now. Called a place by the name of Cheney's Video Repairs. They're over on Beverly Boulevard. Mm -hmm. Had a big ad. Looks like a pretty big outfit. Oh, here's that other defective tube that Dick gave us. Yeah, better get it in the set. Yeah. Well, let's see. Here we are. 5U4G. Okay, here you go. Thanks, Jill. Here's a new one the guy put in. I got it. Okay. Get this back on again. Okay. Yeah, fine. Better turn it on to make sure it's not working. I got it. How about the tube, Ben? Can you see? Is it lighting up? No, not yet. I'll push the set back against the wall. We better leave it on for a while, Jack, just to make sure, huh? Yeah. There we are. I gave you the other tube? Yeah, I got it right here in my pocket. Right. I'd like to try something. If you fellas think it'll be okay. What's that, Jack? I got a good little camera, like a 3F, you know, candid. Mm-hmm. I think maybe if I turn all the three-way lamps up to full, use a AAA fast film that's in the camera now, maybe we can grab some shots of the guy while he works. What do you think? Well, if you're careful, don't let him get wise. Maybe you ought to shoot some of all of us just so he doesn't think anything about it. Huh? Yeah, that's what I figured out. Just sit down on that chair over there by the set, make him think I'm just testing or something. Mm -hmm. I think I can bring it off without arousing any suspicion. Okay. If I get anything, the guy's out of line, we'll run the shots in the Daily News. What do you figure on doing, Jack? You're going to run a series on the TV repair racket? Yeah, that's the plan. Lee Payne, he's our executive editor. He thinks it's high time somebody exposed the swindle in the paper. Mm -hmm. That'll be the next service, man. I'll let him in. Right. Better turn off the set, huh? Yeah. Television repair? That's right. I'm from Cheney's on Beverly Boulevard. Oh, yeah. Now, come on in. Thanks. Oh, uh, what seems to be the trouble? We don't know. Set's right over here. Oh, thanks. Kay Halbert, huh? 16-inch, nice set. Oh, uh, what seems to be wrong? Darn if I know, son. Nothing seems to work. Well, how do you mean? No picture at all. How about the sound? Mm-mm. Nothing. Uh-huh. I'll be all right to pull the set away from the wall. Sure, go right ahead. Can I give you a hand? Oh, no, it's all right. I can handle it. Well, I'll make some tools up. Uh, how long you had this set? Oh, about two, three months. Mm-hmm. Dark in here. I wonder if we could have a little more light? Sure. Let me get these lamps up for you. Oh, thanks. How's that? Oh, fine, thanks. Say, that's a nice little camera you got there. What kind is it? A Leica, 3F, 1.5 lens. Uh-huh. Been experimenting with some new indoor film. You mind being a guinea pig? No, it's all right with me. <laughs> Shane to waste good film on me, though. Think you're going to get anything in this light, Jack? Maybe. Worth a try, anyway. Mm, I don't know about this set. What do you mean? Well, it looks bad. Hard to tell without getting it down to the shop. Looks to me like your blocking transformer's gone. And what's that mean? Well, I'll have to take the set in. Can't fix it here, huh? No, I'm afraid not. You see, your parts are getting a little hard to get these days. The set manufacturers are having a tough time getting quality parts, and sometimes we have to spend several hours just tracing the trouble. Well, I guess that knocks out the ball game tonight, huh, fellas? Mm -hmm. Sorry. Take a couple of days at least. Uh, Want to really check it over. Sure, it's not a tube. We kind of thought just a tube blew out. No, that's what most people think every time their set goes out. It's definitely not a tube. Oh, there might be some bad tubes, but your trouble's a great deal more than that, I think. Have you got any idea what it's going to run us? Well, it's hard to say right offhand. Um, four or five dollars? No, it's going to run more than that. I'll take the set in with me now, and I'll get it back to you as soon as possible. You're going to take the whole set? No, I'll just pull the chassis out of the cabinet, leave the cabinet here. Oh, uh, say, by the way. Yeah? If everything turns out, I'd sure like to see those pictures. Yeah, if everything turns out, you will. listening to Dragnet, authentic cases from official police files. Now, let's look at our Fatima files. Listed under B, Bella. James Warner Bella, distinguished author. He says, A man who smokes as much as I do wants a cigarette that's extra mild, and I like Fatima's different flavor and aroma. Listed under S, Scanlon. Louise Scanlon, Stork Club cigarette girl. She says... More and more of my Stork Club customers are smoking king-size Fatimas. 
They're elegant, distinctive, and really extra mild. Friends, our files show Fatima sales are going up. Up every day. The reason for Fatima's ever-increasing popularity can be summed up in two words. Fatima quality. Fatima gives you extra mildness. A much different, much better flavor and aroma. If you smoke a king-size cigarette, remember this. Fatima has all the advantages of extra length plus Fatima quality, which no other king-size cigarette has. In Fatima, the difference is quality. So insist on the best. Insist on king-size Fatima. Next time, buy Fatima in the distinctive gold and yellow package. Best of all, king-size cigarettes. Thursday, January 22nd, 9.30 a.m. The TV set was returned to reporter Jack Kinnett's home after having been repaired by a servicing company called Cheney's Video Repairs. We found that the man who had come to Kinnett's home to make the service call was Robert V. Cheney, the owner of the service outfit. Well, as soon as the set was returned, we called the sound lab and had it picked up and taken downtown. Sergeant Marshal Zeno, who was working with us out of bunco detail, called and said that Dick Saunders had finished his investigation and wanted to see us right away. 10.30 a.m., we went down to West 1st Street, the police sound lab. Saunders went over his findings with us. Here are the photographs before and after. Uh-huh. Before we go over these, let me show you what we found out about your repair job. Okay. Over here. Uh-huh. Here's that receipt Channing gave you when he returned the set. Yeah. Here's what the repair bill states. Replaced vertical blocking transformer, replaced 5U4 G tube, 6AU6 tube, and 12AU7 tube. And the charge was $32.50. Plus 98 cents tax, or a total of $33.48. Well, how does that break down, Dick? Well, it appears that the 98 cents tax was for $28 worth of material used in the repair. Mm-hmm. Did they really put in all that stuff? You got yourself a prize package in that outfit. All they did was to replace the 5U4 G tube. That's all they did, huh? Yeah. Here's the capper. The 5U4G is a war surplus tube, but it works okay. Uh, what else did you find? According to the photographs and coating system, no vertical blocking transformer, 6AU6 tube or 12AU7 tube were replaced. Let's get back to the photos here. Mm-hmm. Hey, you can take these along for your package. Thanks, Dave. You can see in the set here. Yeah? Uh, let me show you. See, this tube is the only part mentioned in the receipt or otherwise that doesn't carry our green paint coating system. Mm-hmm, yeah. Let me turn the set around here. All right. Joe, try the channel selector here. What, this? Yeah, that's the tuning knob to bring in the stations. Channel selector, they call it. Turn it. Okay. Falls off pretty easy, doesn't it? It sure does. Here, Dick. Thanks. They left out the spring clip in here. It should have been put back in because that's what holds the knob secure to the shaft. I've had that happen on radio sets. Yeah, sometimes they're a little stubborn to put back in, but a good repairman would never leave it out. Yeah. Something else here. Turn the set around in the back again. No, I'll get it, Dick. Oh, thanks, Ben. You see here? See how loose the chassis is in the cabinet now? Yeah, it sure is. Wasn't that way when we got it from the K. Halbert dealer, any more than the channel selector was faulty. In perfect shape when we got it. Look at the size of that chassis. It's pretty heavy. Yeah, it is. Originally, there were four screws used to hold the chassis in the wood cabinet. Cheney's repair outfit only put one back in. One screw to hold that heavy chassis. It's a pretty sloppy job, all right. You know what they'd probably tell you if you asked them about this? That it only requires one screw. Yeah, that's it. The bad repairman can always improve on factory standards, usually for his own convenience. Certainly doesn't improve the product. Well, looks like we got what we were after. Think we got enough, Joe? I do. Let's see what the city attorney thinks. We collected all the evidence in the case against Cheney's video repairs. We met with Captain McCauley and took it up to the second floor of the city hall. We met with Assistant City Attorney Boyd Taylor and showed him our findings. He issued a warrant for the arrest of Robert W. Cheney, charging him with violation of Section 484 PC, one count. 11.30 a.m., Thursday, January 22nd. Ben and I drove out to make the arrest. Jack Kinnett went along with us. This is it, Cheney's video repairs. Yeah, come on, Jack. There's Cheney behind the counter. Yeah. Hello there. Hi. How's the set working? All right. 
Well, we did a good job on that one. Gave you a better break on the price than I thought we could. Yeah, police officers, you're under arrest. Well, you're kidding. What for? Petty theft. Come on, let's go. Petty theft? Well, I don't understand. You're the fellows I fixed that set for up on Crescent Drive, aren't you? That's right. Your bill was a little high, wasn't it? Oh, now, wait a minute. If that's all that's bothering you, let's talk it over. Come on, let's go. Look, I can fix that up with you guys. Just tell me how much you want to pay and we'll work out something. That seems to be the way you worked our repair deal right from the start, doesn't it? Only you didn't consult us about it till now. Well, look, you know how it is. In this business, if you don't charge some customers a little money, they don't think you did anything to their sets. You ought to try charging them for just the work you do. Can't we get together on this thing? Let's just forget the whole deal. You don't owe me anything. Now, here. Here, I'll refund all your money. We'll call it square. Never mind. Just leave the money in the cash register and get your coat. Can't prove anything anyway. We think we can. Just step around the counter this way. Look, mister, you're not a cop, are you? No, I'm not. Well, then tell him, isn't that a fair deal? I'll give you back your money. Afraid it's a little late for that, Cheney. If all this gets in the papers, I'll be ruined here. Run out of business. That's the way we got it figured. How many men you have working here for you? Four. Why? This right here. You ever read this? Well, what is it? Oh, the thing from the RTA. Here. Read Article 2, would you? Two? Yeah, that's right. I will conduct myself and my business in an honest and straightforward manner, meriting and inspiring the confidence of my customers. Yeah, I know about this. You're a member of the RTA, Radio Technicians Association, aren't you? Yeah, I am. Read Article 4, would you? I propose to charge a just and fair price for all professional services rendered. Now read us Article 7. I will engage only in fair and ethical practices recommended and approved by the Radio Technicians Association as being conducive to public confidence. Yeah, I've read all this before. It's too bad you didn't remember it. The story you have just heard was true. Only the names were changed to protect the innocent. On April 15th, trial was held in Superior Court, Department 82, City and County of Los Angeles, State of California. In a moment, the results of that trial. And now, here is our star, Jack Webb. Thank you. Friends, this week I'll be seeing you from page 8 of Life magazine, this week's Fatima ad. Right across the top it says, In Fatima, the difference is quality. Well, in Fatima, the finest domestic and Turkish tobaccos give you extra mildness. A different, better flavor and aroma. Compare Fatima with any other king-size cigarette. Prove, as I have, what a difference Fatima quality makes. Next time, buy Fatima in the golden yellow package. Best of all king-size cigarettes. Ladies and gentlemen, in the few remaining moments, we'd like to take this opportunity to thank you once again for your many kind letters of encouragement that come in from week to week. And also, we'd like to answer a few questions about our program which seem common to many of the letters that we receive from you. Many of you have inquired why at the end of the program, in recounting the punishment of the criminal involved in the particular case, we generally refer to the sentence received as the term prescribed by law. Well, we use this reference for the following reason. In the state of California, the length of a convicted criminal's prison term is not set by the court, but by the state adult authority. Now, most of the time, a criminal is merely found guilty by the court and then sentenced to the state penitentiary. After he serves a year in prison, the convict has a hearing before this state adult authority, at which time his actual sentence is set. So you can see why we can't give you the actual sentence in many cases. Now, other questions common to many of your letters concern some of the authentic technical police terminology which comes up from time to time on Dragnet. With the help of George Fenneman, we'd like to explain some of the more common ones for you, if we may. First, you've heard us use the term or the letters APB. APB. That's an all-points bulletin, a communication dispatched to all divisions and law enforcement agencies throughout the state. And then we feel sure that you remember the term Mama Sheet. A mama sheet is the master information form on a criminal in a police department file. It contains his complete description, his habits, relatives, acquaintances, everything about him known to the police. Well, thank you, George, and thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for your very fine letters. From time to time, if we may, we'll take this opportunity to explain a few more of our authentic 
police terminology. Thank you. Robert W. Cheney, owner and operator of Cheney's Video Repairs, was tried and convicted on several counts of violating Section 484 PC petty theft. He was fined $200 and received the sentence as prescribed by law. Petty theft is punishable by imprisonment in the county jail for not more than six months. Ladies and gentlemen, Dragnet wishes to thank the Los Angeles Daily News and its feature writer, Jack Kinnett, for their valuable assistance in preparing this case for presentation. It is our combined belief and knowledge that not all television repair servicemen are dishonest and unscrupulous in their practices. A great percentage of these technicians are forthright and conduct their business in strict compliance with the code of ethics. It is these men who, when informed of the unfair conditions that exist in their trade, will drive the dishonest and crooked from their profession. Just heard Dragnet, a series of authentic cases from official files. Technical advice comes from the office of Chief of Police, W.H. Parker, Los Angeles Police Department. Fatima, best of all king-size cigarettes, has brought you Dragnet, transcribed from Los Angeles. It's the Silver Jubilee on NBC. For 25 years, NBC has been bringing you the very best in radio entertainment. Listen now to another exciting story on Counterspy, coming up on NBC. Thanks for joining us at 1001 Radio Days, your home for the best of golden age radio, when radio was king. If you enjoyed tonight's show, please do take a moment and send us a review. We always appreciate reviews, and they help new listeners find us. Until next time, this is your host, John Hagedorn. Stay safe, and we'll be back soon at 1001 Radio Days. And one note, don't forget to pick up 1001 Radio Crime Solvers. That's 1001 Radio Crime Solvers. This is your host, John Hagedorn, and we'll be back soon. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. 